Hello and welcome to my Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and this is my 100th episode. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank you for your support. The download figures continue to go through the roof, and I received an email from a listener in the United States this month who said, Dan, I hope you continue to find the energy to keep the podcasts coming. Well, I'm happy to announce I'm looking forward to the next 100 podcasts. I'm not going anywhere. This is a show about the Camino de Santiago, the ancient mystical and spiritual pilgrimage across Europe. Pilgrims walk to the majestic cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. The remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are in a silver casket in the cathedral's crypt. And over the past two years, I've interviewed many people who have stepped out of their comfort zone to walk the Camino. Others have honoured a lifelong promise to walk. Some surprised themselves with what they had learned. Others can't wait to get back. Indeed, the call of the Camino rings loud in their ears and in their hearts. I will be back on the Camino in 2019, 2020 and 2021. 2021 will be a holy year, and the Pilgrim's Office expects numbers of pilgrims to increase substantially. When St. James's Day, that's the 25th of July, falls on a Sunday, the cathedral declares a holy or jubilee year. The last holy year was 2010, the next 2021, then 2027 and 2032. Pilgrimage is not for everyone. But when you choose the pilgrim's journey, you are identifying with millions of pilgrims who have walked before you. They walked for their own reasons. They may have been seeking enlightenment or release or perhaps forgiveness. The story goes that in around 1100, the Vatican decreed that pilgrims who received a compostela would be given a plenary indulgence. In other words, you are absolved of sin. It's quite the reward. These days, most people walk for the challenge, the freedom, the company, the adventure. I read a piece this week by Henry David Thoreau, a 19th century American essayist, poet, and philosopher. He said, if a man doesn't keep pace with his companions, perhaps it's because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. Elsewhere, Thoreau said... Grace that allows me to be myself must also be given to others who hear a different drum from me. We step away from our lives, our loved ones, our history, to create a future. The challenge for the pilgrim is to live in the now, because the future will take care of itself. Walking is the great gift of pilgrimage, walking and talking, or walking alone. We can unburden by walking not just in terms of earning a plenary indulgence, but simply by giving oneself space and time. Make no mistake, you'll have a good time too. It's not all head down, buried in yourself stuff. Believe me, it's a great time with great people. But if you want to dig a little deeper, you can. Indeed, you will. This is 100 episodes, a kind of achievement, I guess. But I want to share with you some of the joy of what that achievement has delivered to me and my family. I was invited to speak to the Blue Mountains Camino Group just 90 minutes west of Sydney earlier this year, the most picturesque part of the entire Sydney basin. They made me feel like a rock star. I talked for an hour just telling them my story and then afterwards I heard their stories. And it's a blessing to be able to tell my story to encourage others to go outside their comfort zone to try to find something of themselves. 
I keep in contact with my Camino family, people from all over the world. I told the story in May 2018 in the Blue Mountains about shooting the video for Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song, and six members of my Camino family travelling from all over the world to surprise me at a gig I did in Villafranca del Biedo to shoot the footage for the song. Out of the blue, six people I had walked the Camino the year before with simply walked through the doors to the venue to surprise me. I was only there for one night. They had come from all over the world to be there for me. I'll never forget it. Three of them, Jasper, Lenny and Matthew, video messaged me from Athens this week to say hello. They were spending the weekend together in Greece. Amazing. They were hugging one another, celebrating their friendship and clearly investing quite a significant amount in the Greek wine industry. Well, why wouldn't you? Indeed, it's experiences like these that make the Camino incredible. If you said to me five years ago the Camino de Santiago would be a major part of your life, I'd have said the what? The where? But somehow I was lured to experience this ancient spiritual and mystical path. I have met the most incredible people and their stories are amazing. Pilgrims tell their stories in preceding episodes and if you have the time, take in what they have to say, their transformation, their awakening, their Camino. See, it's like being able to peer into someone else's psyche to see how and why they tick. And I'm often surprised my guests are so open to opening up. I was going to do a highlights package this week to celebrate my 100th episode, as I did in week 50, but decided not to, because I urge you to simply listen to the past episodes, learn from them, share them with others, and with yourself. I loved Jennifer Wills' description of the Camino in week 77. If you can imagine all your worries and problems and things you're trying to to walk through as a great big giant ball of string inside you, you know, you sort of nail that piece of string down at the start of the Camino and you just keep walking and it unravels for you and you sort of leave that all along the trail. And when you finish, you might still have a, you know, a ball of string inside you. It might be bigger, it might be smaller, it might be, you know, tiny now. If you feel lost, the quote you said, if you feel lost, to return to yourself. And I think that's what the Camino does when you unplug. You are forced to return to yourself. You're absolutely forced to go inside your head and process everything. Isn't it wonderful? I love it. It's much like my first Camino when I dedicated each walking day to a different five-year period of my life. I left all those regrets, mistakes, and much of the pain I felt and caused on the Camino. It's still there if I want to think about it, but at least I know, having dealt with it, I have left it behind. There's no point carrying it with me. As Lou Dregley said in week 57, leave the heavy stuff behind. Having left much of that excess baggage behind in 2016 when I walked half of the Camino Francis from Sahun de Santiago, I couldn't wait to get back to the Camino. In 2017, I walked from Lourdes in France to Santiago de Compostela, 1,000 kilometres. And I could feel the lure of the Camino all throughout 2017. When I finally arrived from Lourdes into Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, the energy was incredible. I could feel it racing through my veins. And I still can. After more than a year at home, there's absolutely no doubt the Camino is calling me back. And as I said before, I did sneak back for 10 days in April 2018 to shoot the video for somewhere along the way, the Camino song. The award-winning Australian filmmaker Bill Bennett shot the footage. He did an outstanding job. 
The video has been viewed now more than 40,000 times. Bill and his beautiful wife Jennifer travelled with me on what we called our Moto Camino. We dined in restaurants alongside pilgrims. We saw them on the side of the road. We bought them meals. We bought them beers. We even picked one up in San Anton. Listen to Terry Kay's story in episode 88. Terry's journey's not been easy, but it's been her Camino, and I hope she's found what she's looking for. As I said, the video's been viewed now more than 40,000 times, and for an unsigned 50-plus singer-songwriter from Sydney, that figure is astounding. I'm most humbled. It'll be there for pilgrims whenever they need it, forever and a day. It's funny, when I think about the song, and if you haven't heard the story, listen to episode 81, the song's launched by Australia's top radio host, Alan Jones. When I think about the song, and since it leapt into my head outside Hontanas in 2017, it's provided for me the most incredible opportunities. I've performed the song for Australia's Prime Minister at Kirribilli House in Sydney, the Prime Minister's harbourside home. I've been on daytime television. It's been on the top-rating nighttime current affairs program. I've sung the song in other capital cities, in Melbourne and in Brisbane. I've sung the song on the back of trucks at rallies in the country. I've played in people's backyards, around fires, at festivals, dinner parties, birthday parties and baptisms. It's provided me an opportunity to talk about the Camino, about my life, about my experience and about my journey. I've received emails from people all around the world, Japan, Israel, the United States, the UK, Ireland, Canada, Korea, Indonesia, the Philippines, Austria, Sweden, the Netherlands, people writing to say, thank you. But I should be the one saying, thank you. Thank you for downloading the song, for watching the video. You know, there's an old saying, the Camino won't give you what you want. It will give you what you need. Perhaps I was saying to myself, I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way. Someone said to me a few weeks back, it's my favourite song ever. You can't ask for more than that. I'll talk more about my musical life later, but first, I've come to know that peace of mind relies first and foremost on peace. It's easier said than done. Back in 2017, I was walking in France from L'Hôpital Saint-Blaise to Saint-Just-Hébert. The following day, I'd be arriving in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. It should have been a 31-kilometre walk, but I missed the turn into Saint-Just-Hébert and walked another 8 k's towards Saint-Jean. had no option but to turn around. Saint-Jean was still 20 kilometres away. So by the time I walked into Saint-Just-Hébert, I had walked 47 kilometres. It was 5 p.m., the town was asleep as the French shut down for family time, a la the Spanish siesta. The only gîte, the French version of albergues, was full. I had nowhere to stay, nowhere to rest, nothing to eat. I was exhausted both physically and mentally. And I saw a bus shelter and thought, well, that looks like me for the night. When out of the corner of my eye, I spotted a shell on a fence. It had been incorporated into the fence design and looked as if it had been there for years. If you don't know, the shell is the international symbol of pilgrims. I thought for a moment if perhaps the current residents didn't care for pilgrims or pilgrimage, perhaps the shell had been years in the fence and the person who incorporated it had lived in the home once before. Now, I'm a pretty cautious bloke, but that day, whether it was how tired I was or how fed up I was, I decided what's the worst that can happen? 
So I knocked on the fly screen door and the door inside opened and I heard a voice say something I couldn't make out. A man's voice, a very gruff and manly voice. And I said, hello, I'm a pilgrim looking for a bed. And the voice said, where are you from? I said, Australia. Then the screen door opened and I could finally see an enormous man with arms like tree trunks, fit as a bull. He said, Australia? Where have you walked from? I said, L'Hopital Saint-Blaïs, but I became lost. I've walked 47 kilometers today. He said, why did you knock on my door? I said, I saw the shell on the fence and wondered if you took pilgrims. He said, wait. Then I heard from inside the house he called, Anna. And then he was speaking in a language I didn't recognize and turned back to me and said, yes, you can stay 20 euros for the bed, 20 euros for the meal. I said, deal. He said, kick off your muddy shoes and come in. I was carrying a guitar on my back. He said, what is that? I said, a guitar. He shook his head and said, crazy Australian. He sat me down in his kitchen and rolled me a cigarette, poured me a coffee that came out of his jug like molasses, and the cigarette and coffee were like heaven. He cut me up some fruit. All the while, he wasn't talking, he was just looking at me. Then he said, mountain fruit. I said, well, I'm very hungry. He said, I work in the mountains, I take care of the emergency shelters. He spent most of his time on the Pyrenees keeping track of the shelters provided by the local authorities for pilgrims or hikers who may get stranded in inclement weather up on the Alps. I said I was walking to Saint-Jean the following day and would then be crossing the Alps and walking the Camino Frances. He said, you need to be careful, man. And with that, he opened up. His name was Raymond. We talked all night. At first, I said, your French is very good. Your English is very good. And he said... I am not Spanish and I am not French. I am Basque. He explained the philosophy behind the Basque people, their culture, their language, their homeland. And he was incredibly passionate about his cause, his people's cause. Soon we began to drink local wine. The food was magic. Fresh mountain fruit wrapped in fresh mountain serrano. It was exquisite. I told him my story. He told me his Anna was an artist who worked mainly from home, and as the night progressed, they told me they bought the home from a couple who had run it as a gîte over the French summer for many, many years. But Anna and Raymond rarely took guests. From time to time, if the town was busy, locals would prevail upon them to take someone in. They said, I was lucky, Raymond was in town. Then Anna asked, would I play them a song? I pulled out my guitar and they asked about the stamps on the face of the instrument, the cellos on the soundboard, as it says in my Camino song. I told them I was collecting stamps. Raymond said, would you like our stamp? I said, yes, please. So he took my guitar, placed it between the three of us on the dinner table under the pale lamplight. He pushed the stamp into the ink pad and rolled it gently back and forth on the front of the guitar and he handed it to me and I I thought it looked like a gold tortoise. He said, it is a gold tortoise. I said, what's the story behind it? He said, slowly we will beat the French and slowly we will beat the Spanish. He said, they were peaceful people. They lived a peaceful life. I could feel the peace they were offering me and I could feel the love they shared. I'd walked 47 kilometers that day. I thought I was lost. 
but I'd actually been found. Anna said, sing us a song. And I did. I sang John Lennon's Imagine. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. I arrived in Saint-Jean-Peter-Port the following day, and having a beer in one of those roadside cafes, I felt a hand grab me gently on the shoulder from behind. I turned around. There was Raymond, smiling from ear to ear. He said he had been passing through and had seen me in the garden of the bar. He wanted to wish me well. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. In episode 95 of my podcast, I spoke to the US pilgrim Monica Davis, whose daughter had been murdered. Monica spoke about peace. I honestly believe that, um, I believe the Camino saved my life. I I, I do know that. Um, And every day I give thanks to St. James and I honor him by continuing to walk. And uh, I just came back here to Spain um, about three, four weeks ago. And, um, I've chosen to live here so that I can walk the Camino every day. So I can keep feeling that spiritual awareness and awakening and the light that the Camino brings to my life. The day after I bid farewell to Raymond in St. John, I was at the top of the Pyrenees, not far from the statue of St. Mary, where the Camino reaches one of the most spectacular vistas on the entire journey, about 12 kilometres out of St. John. You're about halfway to Roncesvalles. And I noticed a man standing on his own by the side of the road. And his presence wasn't right. He'd frightened off the horses. Another line from my song. He had his hands in his pockets, wearing jeans and a jumper, He certainly wasn't a pilgrim. A little later in the day, I spotted the same man standing by a way marker on the French-Spanish border. Again, just standing there on his own, hands in pockets. And that night, I swear I saw him in the square outside the small church in Roncesvalles. It was dark. I couldn't quite see. But I know I saw him the following day on the way from Roncesvalles to Zabiri. And I know I saw him very early the following morning carrying two backpacks putting them into the boot of his car. I couldn't get to him quickly enough to ask what he was doing. Was he stealing the backpacks? Well, the following day, I was in the queue waiting to check into the Jesu and Maria Albergue in Pamplona. It was very, very hot, and I'd worked up a killer sweat walking into the old town that morning, and I apologised for my appearance and General Musk to three young women who were standing beside me in the queue. Then out of nowhere comes the bloke I'd seen on the way over the last three days. He said something snappy in Spanish to the girls and looked me up and down. And one of the girls said to me, don't worry, don't worry, he's my dad. He's just keeping an eye out for us. The girls were his daughter and her two cousins. The dad, Artura, was making sure they were safe on the Camino. Here was a bloke I thought was stalking, stealing and being a general nuisance when in fact he was the loving, caring father and uncle to three young women walking the Camino. Well, later that night, I sang songs in the courtyard in the albergue. There, sitting on the steps as I sat on one of the park benches, singing was Artura with his arms around his daughter. I felt a fool. And the next day, we walked into Poenta Lorena, a good day's walking, beautiful weather, beautiful scenery. And I walked with Gary, Lee and Jasper. Another lyric from my song, A Lion's Heart, An Opening Heart, and a soul as old as slate. 
I checked into the municipal albergue on the left as you enter town. I had a shower, washed my clothes and headed into town for lunch with a young Australian and a young Canadian. As we entered the high street, and if you've been to Point de la Reina, you'll know the long thoroughfare through town which leads to the Pilgrim's Bridge. The bridge was built in the 11th century so pilgrims could cross the river Arga safely. I'll get to the bridge in a moment. But as the Canadian Bryson, the young Australian Elliot and my friend Rhett and I walked into town, we saw Artura. He was sitting with his daughter. We asked why they were sitting in the street. They told us the daughter had injured her knee. So they were sitting waiting for the two cousins to join them. Artura said, sit, join us. I ordered a clara con limon, a beer mixed with lemon squash, the best thirst quencher for a tired pilgrim. Well, at least at 11.30am, if you want to be talking sense at sundown. And I bought a clara con limon for Artura and his daughter. Now some food arrived. And I looked at my friends as if to say, did you order this? And the looks on their faces indicated, no, we hadn't. Artura said, please eat. It was calamari, squid, and it was amazing. Shortly after, some olives arrived. Again, amazing. (laughs) I said, Artura, man, we can't eat all your food. Let me order something. I'll pay for it. He said, no, you are guests here. You are guests in Spain. You are my guest. We enjoyed a seven-course lunch all provided by our new Spanish friends. Beef, lamb, fish, a beautiful potato dish, and the two cousins arrived. We stayed late in the afternoon. They had to get back to Valencia. One of the girls had been offered a job, a teacher. She had to get home to accept it. Artura said he wanted photographs of us on the bridge. So as we walked down through the Rua Mayor, He explained to me the history of the bridge. It had been built, as I said, in the 11th century by a local queen. Indeed, Puente la Reina means Queen's Bridge. He said pilgrims must pause at the bridge to hear the stories of the centuries of pilgrims before them. He told me the legend of the Thori, a Basque word for a small bird, T-X-O-R-I. At one end of the bridge, there's a small defensive tower. It's still there today, and the legend goes there were once three towers, and in one of those, there was a picture of St. Mary, the Virgin del Puy. The little bird used to tend to the image of St. Mary. It would look after the picture, grooming it, removing cobwebs with its wings, and washing its face with water from the river Aga below. The legend goes that whenever the story appeared, the town's bells were rung and people would dance in the street. I imagined what it was like back when the bird would visit. Nothing in modern Australia is older than 220 years. Indigenous Australians have a very proud heritage going back tens of thousands of years. But modern Australia has very little concept or understanding of history and culture going back hundreds and hundreds of years. To me, sitting in a 12th century church is unfathomable. A bridge built in the 11th century and still part of day-to-day life in an old town is breathtaking. I looked for the sorry. We posed for pictures on the bridge, smiling faces, new friends, new experiences, stories to take with us and to share. The pilgrimage, centuries on. And our voices added to the murmur of the river below. Days later, we walked into the sublime old town of Burgos. Take the tip. You can walk through the suburbs of Burgos on your way to the old town, or you can walk along the river. You'll come to a narrow bridge across the riverbed about... 
four kilometers out of Burgos. And if you follow the yellow arrows, you'll be led through over the bridge and through the suburbs. It's not a very pleasant walk, although it's interesting and you'll find shops and pharmacies and the like along the way. But I'm told the river walk is much more pleasant. I ignored an old lady telling me to follow the river. I thought I knew better by following the yellow arrows. So don't go right over the bridge. Travel straight ahead. You'll see the path alongside the river, I'm told. It's a much more enjoyable walk. Indeed, you'll find when you finally come up from the riverbank, you'll be directly opposite the Arco di Santa Maria. Walk through that arch, you'll be in the cathedral square. A short walk up the hill to the municipal albergue, and you've arrived in Burgos. I arrived in 2017 without a single cent in my pocket. I'd left my wallet with a friend by mistake and thought, I'll just sit by the albergue until it opens and talk my way in and pay them later. But I luckily spotted a beautiful Polish pilgrim I'd walked with in the days before and she kindly bought me a beer while I waited for my friends to arrive. And she and I were the first two pilgrims there and we sat enjoying our beer at the cafe opposite the albergue. By the time we'd finished the beer, there were 30 pilgrims lined up outside. Fair to say the municipal albergue in Burgos fills up pretty quickly. We managed to get a bed and after a scrub ventured down to the world-famous cathedral. I mentioned Burgos and the cathedral because it's where I had an epiphany of sorts. A gypsy beggar had her hand out as we entered the cathedral's antechamber and I was struck by the calluses and dirt under her nails. This was a woman down at heel. But she was a human being nonetheless. She was begging for something, anything. I didn't have a penny. Then the girl behind the counter asked me for four euros to go into the cathedral. But wait, because we were pilgrims, it was only two and a half euros. I didn't have any money. An Irish pilgrim picked up my tab. But I felt a little uneasy paying to enter the church while a beggar sat on the doorstep desperate for money to feed herself and perhaps her family. The cathedral itself is out of this world. It's considered a Gothic masterpiece. Some of it freaked me out, to be completely honest. The Pamamoskas is a machine, kind of like statue clock thing, that opens its mouth to chime on the hour and scared the daylights out of me. The extraordinary wealth on show seemed to me to be completely at odds with the teachings of Jesus Christ. The church had on display incredible artefacts, some of which were priceless, and I gained a sense that day of drifting. Drifting away from the Catholic Church of my youth. And I felt myself walking as if in a trance. I was kind of trapped in my thoughts. I was asking myself what on earth all this was about. Did I even identify with the church? This church. And I was overwhelmed with sadness. I was genuinely heartbroken. I just felt the Catholic Church and I drifted apart that day. Here I was, walking to the tomb of St. James, one of Christ's apostles. And Jesus mixed with prostitutes and orphans, social and economic outcasts. Jesus valued the poor. I walked past the poor into the wealth of the majestic Gothic cathedral. And I just felt an overwhelming sadness. But I decided then and there to leave that sadness behind in the Cathedral of Burgos. It was incredible to me when I saw the first edit of Bill Bennett's video of my song that I'm singing, I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way, 
while walking away from the cathedral in Burgos. The lyric, Prayers Beneath the Arches, is about Arco de Santa Maria. That night, Supermarta, a Spanish pilgrim who had walked with us for the previous week, offered to take us on a tapas tour of the old city. But I couldn't go. I was too sad. Burgos broke my heart. There's an ancient manuscript on display in one of the central naves. It was the inspiration for the lyric, Words on parchment paper fill an empty room. Empty for some, full to the brim for others. Walking into Relagos in 2016, I had just finished day one of my Camino, and I was exhilarated and exhausted. The albergue was uninspiring. The town itself has an uneasy energy, I have to say, and I was wondering whether to stay or perhaps to walk on. And I wandered the town in the early evening looking for something to eat. I could smell something cooking and it smelled great, and I walked into a small pension on the main street into town, the couple who owned the pension were having their dinner just inside the door. And I asked them what time dinner was, and they said, well, we don't sell food, but we'll happily give you some. And they did. It was a beef stew. I sat at a small table on the street enjoying the meal, and a man asked if he could join me. He was a Spanish and explained he didn't speak English. I said, well, I don't speak Spanish, so we're cactus, I think. <laughs> the miracle is... We managed to have a four-hour conversation using sign language and Google Translate. His name was Pedro. He too lived in Valencia. And he was walking the Camino and his wife was driving. They would head out the door each morning. He would walk and she would drive. Pila was an art enthusiast. And she used her lazy days to visit exhibitions and galleries along the way. Then they'd meet in the afternoon and stay somewhere on the Camino. Pedro and I were about the same age, had children about the same age, and I knew somehow I'd run into him again over the next few days and weeks. Walking into Astorga, I saw a man sitting beneath a tree eating a bocadillo and drinking a cold can of beer, and I remember thinking, ah, that guy's got it all sorted out. It was Pedro. And he called to me, Dan, my brother, I said, Pedro, mi hermano. We spent a few moments together and I wished him well. He returned the blessing. A few days later, when I walked into Ponferrada, I had promised myself a short day, and I was going to be catching up with some friends of a friend's in Australia. So, as I entered town, I saw an Italian pilgrim I had walked with a week or so earlier. His blisters had become infected, and he was sitting outside the hospital just as you enter town there. And he asked if I could check him into the albergue, which I was happy to do, as he was in no shape to be walking anywhere. So when I walked into Albergue Guana, I reached into my backpack. My credential was gone. It wasn't there, and neither was my guidebook. I must have left them behind a Melina Seca. I had sung the night before with a guitar hanging on the wall from the albergue, but I didn't know the name of the albergue. I couldn't read the stamp because I didn't have the credential. And I had made curfew the night before, so it wasn't a late night. Now, without a credential, I'd struggled to find a bed. The woman behind the counter at Albergue Guana was kind and understanding, but said, sorry, I can't let you stay. So I wandered out onto the street, now carrying two backpacks. I went back in and said, look, can I pay for two beds? And if I don't come back in three hours with my credential, you can keep the money and I'll happily walk away. She said, you look honest. So I gave her 25 euros and walked back onto the street. 
I headed up the hill past the castle, thinking, what on earth am I going to do? It was two hours' walk back to Seca, and then two hours back to Ponferrada, plus I'd lost my credential. If I got all the way back to Seca, there's no promise I'd find it. It was the perfect storm. I'd run out of cash, my phone had run out of data, and I couldn't speak the language. I'd lost my guidebook and credential. So I walked up to the town square at the top of the hill, trying to maybe find a phone box to ring someone. No phones. The square was completely empty, except for one man sitting on his own on the other side of the road. I walked up and thought, well, he might know where a phone box is. And as I walked toward him, head down, feeling sorry for myself, I heard him say, Dan, my brother, it was Pedro. And I managed to explain in sign language what was going on. He said, yes, yes, I understand. Then he said, Pila, the car. Five minutes later, I'm in the back seat of their car and we're traveling back to Molina Seca. Now, when you've been walking for days and days, you forget that you can drive the nine kilometers between Molina Seca and Ponferrada in about 15 minutes, but it had taken me all morning to walk. In no time at all, I was back at the albergue where I'd stayed the night before. I walked straight upstairs, lifted up the mattress. There under the bed was my credential tucked inside my guidebook. Moments later, I was back in Pedro and Pila's car, back on the road. Fifteen minutes later, I'm hugging them both for their kindness. Problem solved. Pedro, my Camino angel. A few days later, I was preparing to climb up to Osobrero. I went off the path to fill my water bottle from a small stream. There was no one around for miles. And as I emerged from the woods, I heard, Dan, my brother. (laughs) I looked around. I couldn't see anyone. But there through the trees was a small farmhouse, a pueblo. And there, sitting on the veranda, enjoying a cold beer, was Pedro. He said seeing me was a miracle. He and Pila had stayed in the farmhouse the night before. They expected to head off first thing in the morning, but had decided to wait until lunchtime. He decided at the very last minute to drink the last beer in the fridge rather than waste it. So he walked out onto the veranda and sat down, looked up, and saw me through the trees. We hugged and I thanked them again for their kindness. Pila, as interpreter, said, No, Dan, Pedro wants to thank you for your kindness, your kindness of spirit. I've told you before, I walked into Santiago de Compostela on my 50th birthday. I was standing in front of the cathedral in awe, or of what I'd done, or of the whole Pilgrim Camino experience. My phone buzzed in my pocket, an SMS from an unknown number, and it read, Happy birthday, my brother. God bless you. Pedro. Saint Peter. When I interviewed the Canadian broadcaster Laurie Brown in episode 5 in late 2016, Laurie mentioned that she carried a small audio recorder with her to capture the sounds of the Camino. And I mentioned earlier, I began in 2017 in Lourdes. Lourdes is an interesting place, in many ways kind of overwhelming. Thousands and thousands of people hoping to find what they're looking for. Their families and loved ones hoping and praying too. But just this morning, I was going through my phone to find some audio, and I stumbled on these. I have to share them for a 100th episode. The chiming bells of the Basilica in Lord.
and the throng of pilgrims marching around the square in Lourdes, hoping their prayers will be answered. worth the trip, the magic of Lourdes. As you walk between Estrella and Los Arcos, you're passing through wine country, La Rioja. There are water fountains for pilgrims all along the Camino, but in La Rioja, a fountain with a difference, a wine fountain, and a very nice drop too. We stayed in the municipal albergue in Estrella and sang songs in the courtyard. It's another lyric in Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song, El Peregrino Cantante, The Singing Pilgrim. I sang in albergues, bars, town squares, restaurants, cafes and gardens. And the best part was more often than not, I was singing along with other pilgrims. I mentioned earlier my musical life. I still perform 80 shows a year in hotels, clubs and bars. And then these days I also do a different kind of show. I perform in people's backyards or at their dinner table telling stories and singing songs. Just this week, I was invited to a gathering of people, a Christmas party for a business in Sydney's north. The host had seen me perform at Kirribilli House and invited me to play for him and his staff. He said, just come and tell a few stories, sing a few songs. And it was a magic night, an opportunity to tell my story. I started playing when I was a boy. You can hear that story in week 86. And I can sing 400 songs off the top of my head. It's a kind of Rain Man thing. I actually forget I know songs. People at gigs will ask me for a song and I say, hang on, I actually do know that song. Most recently it was the Hall and Oates song, Rich Girl. I learned it, I think, in the early 80s, hadn't played it in more than 30 years. I started playing it and it was there, every chord, every word, even the correct key to suit my voice. Music's been a huge part of my life. My brothers are all musical. My late brother Ben was a fantastic songwriter who recorded an album with Steve Earle in Nashville. And that band included musicians who had worked with the likes of Amy Lou Harris and Levon Helm. You can download the, the album on iTunes. Ben Mullins, Trouble's Plaything. We used to play together with a third brother, Leo, in a band called The Lucky Guys. We'd get together about lunchtime with a box of beers, write a dozen songs, then we'd record them straight to tape, then we'd launch the album. We'd sit back in our chairs, beer in hand, to listen to the day's work, all in one day. And some of those sessions are legendary. I've said here before on the podcast that Benny died suddenly in 2010. He was just 43. And I recently travelled the east coast of Australia with two other brothers, one of whom is suffering from cancer. We sat around the fire at night, singing songs, Rhinestone Cowboy, Sloop John B, What's So Funny About Peace, Love and Understanding, Kathy's Clown, and All I Have to Do is Dream. And we were standing by the fire at a place called Delicate Beach, one of the most beautiful places I have ever been to. Spectacular sweeping beaches facing due east, a magic swell from two rock headlands. We stayed in a camper van just metres from the beach. Light cloud cleared to a beautiful starlit night. We were taking turns of playing songs from our playlist. 
I asked my older brother what I could play that he might dance to. And he said, I don't dance. I said, come on, what do you mean you don't dance? He said, I don't dance, haven't danced in decades, and I'm not about to start. I said to my little brother, come on, man, what song will make you get up and dance? He said, I don't dance, never have, never will. And my big brother said to me, come on, Patrick Swayze, dance. So I did. I played Saturday Night Fever, carved it up, all the moves. Dancing around the fire, I'm dancing like no one's watching. I love it. I love to dance. It's the true essence of freedom of spirit. Two nights later, we're standing by the fire at Pebbly Beach. We were 500 kilometres further south and it was a little bit cooler. So we were standing by the fire to warm up. I started dancing to Neil Diamond's Cherry Cherry. I love that song. I couldn't believe my eyes when all of a sudden, both my brothers started dancing with me. And I mean, dancing, going for it. All three of us. God knows what the rest of the campsite thought, but who cares? I remember stepping back for a moment and seeing us kicking up the dust by the fire. A magic sight, dancing in the moonlight. One of my favourite visions of dance is shortly after the birth of my third son, Riley. It was the middle of the night. Riley had been placed up into the nursery and I made sure my wife was safe and sound and I was heading home. I thought, I'll just sneak a peek at my new son and walk to the nursery window. There was the nurse with the radio playing Chris Rea's Let's Dance and the nurse was boogieing around among the little babies. They were all sleeping soundly. She was carving it up between the little cribs. I remember thinking, the boy's in good hands. Then I remembered I'd played that song. When you sing of the joy only love can bring, Heaven knows it's in my heart and my soul. We're caught in a world full of tears, so many bad times and fears. So while there's a chance and you are near, let's dance. There's a world far away from the one we see. There's a dream I will never let go. One thing is certainly true. This moment's for me and for you. So while there's not a thing that we can do, well, let's dance. I went out of my way to find a bar in Santiago de Compostela where we could dance after finishing my Camino in 2017. There's nothing like it. It's called Pub Al Baroque on Rua da Archibahira. I think it's a terrible pronunciation. Just tucked in behind the cathedral. This moment's for me and for you. So let's dance. I've been asking my guests lately one word they use to sum up the Camino, and I say laughter. I think it's wonderful to walk past a group of pilgrims and hear laughter. Me and my Camino family laughed often and laughed hard. It was a delight to make one another laugh. Indeed, we were shushed a few times in albergues because we were laughing after lights out. It's wonderful to laugh. Other pilgrims have said peace, freedom, transformative, grounded, trust, community, creativity, connection, life, humble, inspired, liberated. Patty Pie... My most recent podcast guest said sensual. She said her senses were alive on the Camino. Listen to the bird song, the cow bells, the town and church bells, the crunching of the gravel beneath your feet. 
I don't listen to music when I walk because I want to be enveloped in the sound of my surroundings. And plenty of pilgrims want or need music in their heads to motivate them, to keep them moving. I'm a little different. I just love the sound of France and Spain. I say France because I'd read Bill Bennett's book, The Way, My Way. He spoke about the cuckoo birds in the trees as you leave St. Jean-Pied-de-Port. And while I was walking up the hill on the very outskirts of town, when I heard them, I was so happy. We have cuckoos in Australia, but they're pretty rare. The birds just inside the French border sounded like something off a movie. It was magic. I was pleased I had the opportunity to hear them. The other joy of walking and listening is the joy of conversation. I would often ask people I walked with or beside, and there's a distinction there, I would ask them, why are you walking the Camino? Often they didn't know, or they were walking to find out. Others wanted a holiday, some reflection, some redemption, others forgiveness, or for the opportunity to discover a bit more about themselves. It is a chance for discovery. Whether you like it or not, believe you can. You're halfway there. Katie Trulson in episode 43 talks about just being. And I saw a sign in a shop recently, a quote attributed to Buddha, that said the secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past, worry about the future, or anticipate troubles, but to live in the present moment wisely and earnestly. Katie Trulson read her pilgrim poem in week 43. As each step hits the ground below, the worries fade, emotions flow. A new day dawns, each day a chance to let grow more, to sing, to dance. In cobblestone courts, the music plays, thankful for much better days. Surrounded by old friends and new, my heart is full, my friends are true. And even though we're miles from home, not a day goes by where we feel alone. Each day I wake just so light and free, I finally found what it is to just be. 100 episodes of my podcast, six-figure downloads, new friends around the world, people contacting me to tell me their stories, and people sharing my stories. The 19th century American essayist, poet, and philosopher Henry David Thoreau said, if a man doesn't keep pace with his companions, Perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. And then he said, Grace that allows me to be myself must also be given to others who hear a different drum from me. The challenge for the pilgrim is to live in the now. The future will take care of itself. Be patient, pilgrims. If I've learned anything in the 100 episodes of this podcast... It's the Camino is calling. I can't wait to answer the call. Thanks for your company on this, my 100th episode of My Camino, the podcast. I'll be back again next week with another guest telling their story, our story, our journey together. I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.